0: Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results LLC and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries Share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.comslash supply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome to this edition of Supply Chain Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harsberger, your host. With me, I have Paul Denny, President and CEO of Fluid Forming Americas. And Tennessee Spring. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, tell us about We, we had a little brief conversation. I wanted to get to the recording part. Tell us about uh, fluid forming.
1: Fluid forming is a relatively new technology, it was uh, created about 20 years ago. Uh, we've been manufacturing machines that employ this technology uh, for the last 15 years, primarily in Europe. Uh, And it is a, we think, a retake or a vast improvement on what most people would know as hydroforming or bladder forming. And we manufacture machines uh, in Germany with our partner there. And here in the U.S., uh, we have a sales office and a manufacturing facility where we do both. We promote the sale of machines as well as manufacture parts for customers who may want to understand the technology better uh, and as it, they get used to it uh, might want to buy a machine and we can support both activities here.
0: Awesome. I did look at the video because I wasn't familiar with the, with the fluid forming either. I mean, I'm familiar with the stamping and so on and dies. One of the questions I had, I saw that, and it's pretty neat how it worked, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory once you look at the video and what you're showing. But uh, like the part you were making in the video, so you have to create a die for that.
1: Uh, typically, um, it's very similar to the old bladder technology. If I might offer a comparison, uh, die stamping is really its own category, uh, and is primarily used for commodity products where you're looking for millions of a particular something or other. Um, but what we've done is we've eliminated the bladder in the forming process. We uh, can use either a male die and form over it or a female dye and form into it. Uh, we only need typically one dye uh, of either either style. And as I said earlier, we've eliminated the bladder and thus we've eliminated that additional friction and limiting condition. Uh, imparted by the bladder, which allows us to go from the traditional limitation of say 11 or 12,000 PSI forming pressure to 60,000 PSI as a force to form. And we use tap water, which is uh, recycled in the process. So it's very environmentally friendly, and you don't have to the, the deal with either a ruptured or worn out bladder, nor do you have to deal with Uh, all of the issues of hydraulic oil, there there just isn't any in the process. All of that then translates into some rather unique uh, characteristics uh, and uh, abilities that are inherent to this process because of those two very simple things. Uh, I I say simple, it was no small undertaking to eliminate the platter, but having done that, and we've proven it now for over 15 years, we've got somewhere north of 25 machines uh, in other people's plants throughout Europe. Uh, We've got a machine here. We're looking to get our second machine uh, shortly and uh, looking to promulgate the technology here in the U.S.
0: One of the, the, bear with me a second, because I'm going to make sure I understand and I listen Mm -hmm. to understand. One of the the pacing items of any forming is the dye. So how, you said you're set up for low volume, which which I understand. How do you create that die and make it cost effective? Well,
1: what what's interesting about the system is that we use a trunk system for our dies, which is to say, let's just take the our smallest machine has a, a trunk or bed size die size of two and a half feet by two and a half feet, and somewhere around 16, 18 inches deep, thick. Um, within that is a series of smaller modules, if you will, that would allow us to use a die that specifically fits a part plus two inches all the way around, which is to say it, our die for a particular part is nested inside a series of much lower cost coal rolled or hot rolled steel uh, trunk system like a Russian doll. And so that's one of the ways that, that we can go to market and offer considerable cost savings. The only piece of tool steel uh, is that which we require for your particular part or a series of parts. Uh, having said that, typically our dies are made out of 4140 or P20, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, because we have this trunk system and we support the die on five different sides, inherently it allows us to use other materials very effectively uh aluminum is very quick to market as an example although somewhat expensive but we can use um uh, 3d printed dyes plastic molded dyes uh, composite materials like oblomotodon and things like that we've even used wood uh, again uh, once you understand that it's supported on five sides the only issue becomes the compression strength of the material that we're now using as a die and that you pretty much can calculate up front but if you're only making one or two prototypes to, to prove concept it really is a non-issue uh, it, the part might be a little deeper than it otherwise would be but you have your part very quickly cost effectively um, in your hand, and so as an example that we use on a 3D printed die, it might take you 24 to 48 hours to print that particular die, depending upon the geometry. But we can be making parts minutes after that is completed, and we can make as many parts as the die will stand up to to the process. So that's another huge advantage in terms of truncated time to market and cost. Well,
0: that's one of the reasons I ask I didn't want to appear stupid and ask if you could use 3D dies, but or 3D printed dies. but I I was wondering that. So it's awesome. So how did you get started doing this uh, line of work?
1: If you you read my resume, it would would look something like I was in the witness protection program, but the the reality of of it is, is uh, a friend of mine and I had an opportunity to meet with the inventor of this technology some years ago uh, because my partner here, Jürgen Panak, uh, went to school with them. Uh, they, they both have PhDs in, in mechanical engineering and they're long-term friends from, from high school, if you will. And uh, our third partner, Reinhold Wasselmann, who is in Germany and has a company by the name of Fluid Forming, FFG-MBH, manufactures the machines. We saw the opportunity uh, of bringing this technology to North America, and uh, we worked out a a deal which enabled us to do that. Uh, It was pretty much serendipity in that they were busy in Germany and had their hands full with the European market. and uh, I already had a manufacturing facility here in Hartsville where we're manufacturing precision steel springs. So we had a facility that could accommodate the machinery, the offices necessary, the support structure, and a trained wor- workforce in terms of people used to providing precision services. So it was really serendipity and kind of a marriage made in heaven, if you will.
0: Oh, it's interesting. So where are you currently with your business? I mean, uh, you've got you said you got twenty five machines installed. Where, where do you see the market pool?
1: Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, Our experience here in North America, we've been uh, selling and advertising and promoting the technology and our products for about the last five years, going to various trade shows, Fabtech, IMTS, et cetera, and uh, also promoting it vis-a-vis the internet, and doing a fair amount of speaking, as it, as it were, with societies that host events on a quarterly or monthly basis, at least up until COVID, um, so SME and, and Ashray, etc. cetera. Um, the business is continuing to grow. What we're seeing here is uh, that there is a tendency to um, experience some level of doubt, uh, by some of our customers as they see a new technology because they've grown up and this is everyone since 1938 when the last new development came to market arguably um th- that there is nothing new to, to be seen or to be heard of uh in the marketplace which is not the case and so typically we end up manufacturing a part or a series of parts for our customers who then that process enables them to get their head around the technology and its capabilities because it offers a lot of very unique physical attributes as well as financial attributes that weren't common in the marketplace before Um, things such as uh, the level of complexity of the parts that it can make the level of accuracy Uh, typically most of our parts are six sigma or better and it's a controlled process and that's unusual. Um, The reduction in product development uh, time and cost, which is important, Um, it's a lower capital investment. Our dies are much less expensive than die stamping as an example. Uh, We are a really good fit for prototyping and short run production, although we've built machines that uh, run in excess of a million parts a year uh, that are more, uh, parts specific. Um, and in, in general, it, it's an enabling technology that allows you to solve problems and do things in metal forming that were much too difficult to do prior. Uh, one of the interesting examples is we see people develop new products around our technology. Once they understand what it can do, we, uh, just, finished a, a, a large assignment manufacturing um, micro-channel uh, heat exchangers and the channels were eight thousandths of an inch wide and eight thousandths of an inch deep. That's not doable in a, in a consistent, repeatable, and accurate fashion using any other technology. So the customer was delighted and we're already on to our second project with them as they begin to experience and understand and incorporate all of these additional features into their design.
0: Interesting, yeah. Once you, once you understand the technology, you can, I understand what you're going with that. So oh, uh, where do you think your industry's going? Where do you think manufacturing is gone as a whole? Ooh, <laughs> oh, ooh. Yeah. Sure. That, that,
1: yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> What we're finding is that our niche is the more sophisticated audience, the the audience looking to bring product to market um, that couldn't do that before. We had a phone call yesterday with a potential customer. And they've been making their product using die stamping process. And it's more low low run volume for them. So to make a technological change to improve their product, as it were, is a major capital investment of hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to prove concept and and go to market with it. And sometimes that can be a large deterrent, especially in the uncertain economic times that we've experienced from occasionally. where we fit in is that you can prototype and prove concept and change design very cost effectively, go to production immediately thereafter, and then this our system and process can grow with you as your market grows. And so you're doing that uh, much quicker than you were able to in the past, and you're doing it more cost effectively, so you're more inclined. To, to go after changing market conditions uh, in, in a a less capital-intensive way, with less risk. Um, it's interesting, we we begin our process, uh, we did a, a joint venture with a software company some 15 years ago to develop an FEA analysis program that can take uh, a 3D CAD model from a customer, as an example. And we can model that part being formed and have a pretty accurate representation of the trials and tribulations that the part uh, undergoes as it's being formed. And typically, well, nowadays, through a web meeting, we can discuss the issues that we're mutually seeing as the part forms and as it's form formed. Um, and raise concerns about the design, perhaps. Perhaps the metal thinning is a particular concern. Uh, the work hardening of the material we can evaluate, and a whole host of other things. Um, our more sophisticated clients can take that uh, information uh, in, in a large file data format and incorporate it into their own dynamic analysis for their own purposes. Uh, assuming they have that level of sophistication in-house. But my point being is that it allows you to know with a fair degree of certainty whether or not this new idea, this part of yours, or this solution that you've created is actually going to be formable. Is it going to work? What are its, its strengths and shortcomings before we spend $1 cutting a die? And uh, so you, you, the, you. the business case is pretty dramatic. Yeah, and then assuming that we agree on the design, we can go immediately into the creation of the the prototyping die, which, as I said earlier, can also be used as a production die, um, and then begin the process of manufacturing your prototypes, taking all the appropriate measurements and whatever physical tests the customer might have or have need of, and, and then be ready to go into production immediately thereafter. All for much less uh, intensive capital investment, and which much much less time. And we tend to do better and offer a, a higher level of service when we work collaboratively early on in the design process. You know, as, as we all know, with a little bit of gray hair, everything looks good on paper in two dimensions. True. <laughs> So sometimes it doesn't translate real well, but in, in this particular case we can help you with that before, uh, before you, that, yeah. you spend a lot of money, you know, finding out that it really wasn't all that good of an idea, or there's some thinning issues that you didn't know of.
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean I, I, I my first uh I was curious about it and then when I, I did watch the video and I thought, man, yeah. that's really different. It's nice. I like it. So it sounds like they would be selling them all over the country. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: One would think, one would think. Um, I'm going to attribute it to to the economic climate. You know, manufacturing isn't what it used to be in in terms of volumes here. Uh, The industries that we see gravitating towards us are medical, uh, aerospace, uh, defense. Uh, Those industries that have problems to solve and have interesting designs that they wanna bring to the market. Having said that, we're also manufacturing some musical instruments Hmm. Uh, because of the unique attributes of the process. We can do it inexpensively enough that uh, the people who are entrepreneurs, but just getting started up can afford us to do that. Um, We also do, excuse me, some pretty interesting things like antique hubcaps. Uh, if you happen to own an, an old Mercedes back when the the insert of the hubcap was an enameled finish that matched the color of the paint of the car, you can't get those anymore because the dyes are long since gone. Well, we've, we've reproduced the dyes, and we reproduced that product uh, for a little family-owned business up in uh, Canada, and they sell reproduction hubcaps. I'll be for old antique mercedes <laughs> so it, the diversity is enormous it just it a- absolutely uh, is is a lot of fun to deal with because you never know where the project's going to take you
0: yeah that's interesting it really is mm-hmm. and you, i mean uh, as i said i ran a fab business for five years after i left my logistics business and i understand a little bit about that but it sounds really interesting I was going to ask you another question that slipped my mind. So we're going to have to let that one go. Yeah. What else do we need to know? I'm sorry? I said, what else do we need to know about you and your, how do people reach you? If they want to ask you questions or talk to you.
1: Well, the, 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 the people with working gray hair can write us a letter and put it in the post mail. Okay. <laughs> but... But the rest of us uh, can either call us uh, at, at our phone, which is 615-374-9500, and we're happy to have a human answer the phone, or on the web, which is probably the best avenue, and either through our website, which is uh, Forming Americas, uh, or through Facebook or LinkedIn or any of the other uh, mass media services that exist, We try to publish uh, informational videos and text on a regular and recurring basis, both from the business standpoint, because it's it's my firm belief that not only does this technology solve a lot of manufacturing problems, essentially, it is a business-enabling technology. It allows people to do things affordably that they could not have done before um either because of capital or technology and and so we encourage people to call us with development projects and ideas and issues that they have in metal forming um and and that seems to run the gamut whether it's aerospace looking at additional or new engine development um Exhaust system companies looking to fine tune their exhaust system and improve the efficiencies of their engines. Uh, people looking to reduce weight in their product, which seems to be a very sensitive issue, particularly in uh, small engines uh, at, at the moment, looking for a greater fu- fuel efficiencies. We're seeing some, some pretty uh, interesting activity in the Marine side of things. Where uh, regulations are now starting to affect the performance and overall um, conditions of motor creation, manufacture, and they need to reduce weight. And so there's this wide gamut uh, of people that have an interest. They just I might not know which technology to employ for their best interest.
0: Well, sounds like what you're saying is you have a product that you can go from R and D to production with the same. The same equipment and the same technology which is pretty cool
1: <laughs> very, very much so very much so we we can make uh, at, at, to just speak to that point for a second typically we'll manufacture a die let's just say we use uh, 4140 we'll manufacture a die run a few prototypes without hardening the die which is also unheard of uh, yes. uh, but the, our process is it's not frictionless but it is greatly reduced in terms of the amount of friction that's imparted and so there is no die wear we get you your prototypes if you have an add, move or a change we can easily accommodate that by recutting the die or using an insert to solve your problem uh, before hardening which makes it much less expensive much quicker to, to the market and then once we're satisfied that we have the gold standard that, that the customer is looking for We typically surface harden nitrate or case harden the dye. And now it's good for hundreds of thousands of operations. Uh, Our dyes are very similar in nature to that, which you would see for uh, injection molding, where it's a highly polished surface. Um, And we have so many variables that we can work with in our process, again, that allows us to overcome Uh, whatever vagaries might be associated with the, with the part or the process itself. Um, we can partially form a part, uh, that might be particularly challenging. Titanium comes to mind or Inconel, um, and stop the forming process, remove the part. I'm sorry.
0: No, I said, no, no, I, I, I'll talk to you offline about that, the titanium piece.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> st- partially form the part, and then go to annealing, get it back from annealing, put it right back in the same die and continuing the forming. And that one allows us to do things that couldn't have done readily before, but also from the standpoint of you're doing it all in the same die, Uh the same thing. If you have a family of products, and, and we're doing this with sinks right now, you might design a sink in typical 304 stainless, uh, but you'd like to also have a run of those in copper, in some brass alloy, and or in a very varying family of thicknesses, we can accommodate all of that all within the same die, And so you don't have multiple dyes and multiple costs. So, what our mantra has been: if the material will allow us to form it, we can form it.
0: That's interesting. No, it's it's really exciting. I mean, I, I was uh, I was looking forward to the call because I wanted to learn more about it. Well, thank you, thank you.
1: It, it it is fun to work with. It's fun to be here, and it's very enjoyable to be part of a process with our customers to to create things that. Uh, Might have some difficulty associated with them, or we'll make them more successful. That's our business mantra. We'll do whatever we can to make you successful.
0: Well, hopefully, this podcast will help uh, help along that cause too. I'm I'm bullish on manufacturing. I think we have to reassure that. I mean, our supply chain now—if you look at what's happening with it—I mean, if if we didn't teach us a lesson at this, I don't know what else it'd be. I really don't.
1: I think that's the bigger question in all of this. So what's it going to look like after we return to the new normal and how much manufacturing is coming back or needs to be here and should never have left? Uh, We seem to be more of a commodity-driven society than ever before. And a lot of that mandates going offshore. But at the end of the day, these are commodity and they're, they're products and they're disposable. Is that really in our best long-term interest? And certainly, when you get, yeah, I I would agree. I mean, when you get to aerospace and defense and the industries that are very sensitive to being copied, um, in those cases, it makes a lot of sense to be doing business here.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, let's see if we can do something about it.
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely.
0: Listen, I appreciate your time. It was an interesting call.
1: Not at all. It's my pleasure. I'm very, very appreciative that you contacted us and grateful for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.comslash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.